uh, Pastor Eddie asked me to speak for three weeks, and uh, so I, and I, I said, mentioned to you last week, I have been doing kind of a fall Bible study for me on uh, what did Jesus say? Just, just been, as Larry Lee said, read the red and pray for power. I've just been reading the red and, and kind of working through the New Testament, really not in any particular order, but just kind of reading through the passages that Jesus said. I've been for those of you interested, I've been writing a blog every morning on that. I've, I've on purpose stayed away from things like the Sermon on the Mount and the big long passages, but just take little little phrases here and there. And it's been interesting to think through Jesus' response to, to kind of the things of our life. Well, so I got to thinking about that. And then the other thing that, as I thought about spending three weeks with you, is uh, that sometimes you get on my nerves. And so, I, oh no, I didn't mean it that way. That I'm sure sometimes I get on your nerves. That sometimes relationships are, can be difficult. So what would Jesus say about our relationships? What would Jesus say about, the, about particularly some of the difficult areas of our relationship? So last week, and I, so I've kind of titled this with friends like this who needs Jesus. And, and last week we talked about conflict. What did Jesus say about conflict? And that conflict is going to be present. That conflict is not necessarily a bad thing, but there is kind of a biblical approach to handling conflict. When we, when we are confronted with conflict, when that does come up, whether it's handled well or not handled well, it still very often produces in us an emotion that we call anger. That, that anger stirs up in us. And so tonight, I'd like to talk for a little bit and have us talk together about what did Jesus say about anger? How, how did Jesus help us and tell us to ad- address anger? Um, Doris and I were youth pastors in Augusta, Georgia. I started talking about that. Doris's family, is, lives, they're, they're are, uh, agrarian. They, her father was a farmer and her brother-in-law's farmers. And they all live within a little five mile, like a little gypsy horde. They all live within five miles of each other right there. And, and uh, Uncle Tad's right down the road, you know. And Uncle Roy right across the street. And, and KG just, just about a half a mile away. All the family right there. And so I married Doris and moved her away. And we moved to Augusta, Georgia. So the first Christmas that we were there, Doris had not been away from home, and that we just, we moved in October, so we'd only been there a couple of months. The first Christmas, Doris is so homesick and so excited that we are going to go to back home for Christmas. She can hardly wait. So we left, this is what kids do, you know, we left Sunday night after church. You know, it's, it's 10 o'clock by the time we get packed up. And we left to drive from Augusta, Georgia to Gallatin, Tennessee, probably a six, seven hour drive, um, maybe eight hour drive. We're, we're going to drive that all night long. And so, so Doris starts driving. She's so excited. She, so she drives from Augusta to Atlanta, which is about a two and a half hour drive. And we got to the edge of Atlanta. She said, I'm so tired. Can you drive now? And I said, sure, I'll be glad to. So I started driving, and she got in the seat beside me, went sound asleep. Not good. She could rest and relax. She went sound asleep. I drove across Atlanta. I was so tired. I got so sleepy. I said, I'm going to pull off for just a second and just rest my eyes. So there was a road. I pulled off for just a second, rested my eyes. 
We woke up about six o'clock in the morning with the sun beating in on us. And I had my sweet, precious wife, who had never usher, uh, uttered a crossword, her head spun all the way around and green pea soup was coming out of her mouth. I have never seen her. It, she, it was a lot like that. And I, you know, I was just... I, Anger is something that we just have to deal with. And if we are in a relationship very long at all, we probably will be confronted either with anger directed toward us or anger welling up inside us. So what did Jesus say about anger? What were the, what were the words that, that Jesus said about that? Before we look at that, let me just kind of define anger for you. Here's kind of my working definition. Anger is the natural response to a real or perceived wound, attack, betrayal, or injustice. First of all, it is a natural response. This is not something that, and we're going to talk about this, but this is not something that I should feel guilty about or I'm supposed to ignore or squash. This is a normal, natural response. In fact, in, in psychology, we call it a secondary emotion because it actually is the reaction to a primary emotion like fear or hurt or sadness or rejection. It's a, it's a, it is a response to that. Now, it's important to say that that can be real or imagined it, it, or perceived. It, it doesn't, you know, there's someone says something to me, and it sounds to me like an attack, and I can become angry at that. My little brain doesn't know if this is real or not real, and, and that natural, normal response to a real perceived, and then it's a wound, attack, a betrayal, or an injustice. Sometimes the greatest anger that arises in us is from injustice. It's just not fair. It's just not right. I've been waiting in line all day long and the people two people ahead of me they let their friends cut in front of me that's just not and, and to be candid there's really not much I can do about that so it's so the injustice of that so anger is the natural response to real perceived wound attack betrayal or injustice is that okay is that a, a, a working definition for you now the thing it's important for us to know is that anger happens it, it 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 does happen and it's again it's a normal natural part of of where we are uh would it surprise you to know that god gets angry in fact interestingly enough there are more mentions of god being angry in the bible than any other character in the bible no other person in the bible comes anywhere near to the number of times being angry that God is listed as being angry at the sins of Israel. When David is doing very well, God is angry. In fact, the, the psalm says he hates the enemies of David, of Israel. So God is angry at, 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 uh, at betrayal, at injustice, at wounds, at attacks. Jesus got angry. You, you remember those times when, when Jesus got angry and, that, and some, of, some of the classic stories. Here's probably the one. If I ask you to say, tell me a time when Jesus got angry, probably most of us would tell this story. Um, now, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. 
He found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples remembered that it was written, isn't this an interesting phrase? Zeal for your house has eaten me up. I am so mad I could spit. That's how, how that's translated in the Greek. He was so mad he could spit. Uh, he was, he's angry over this injustice and over this betrayal of what the house of God is supposed to be like. Paul got angry. I mean, we, we, Paul must have gotten angry because he talked to us about it so many times. One of the classic passages of Scripture about anger, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let... By the way, that be angry, that's, in, that's the imperative. I know a little Greek and a little Hebrew. The little Greek runs a restaurant, a little Hebrew runs a clothing store. Uh, be <laughs> That is an awful old joke. I know, that's terrible. Be angry, not sin. That the be angry is in the imperative tense. It is a command. It says, no, be angry. It doesn't say, well, you might get angry. You know, if just in case you find yourself... No, there are some things that should make you angry. Be angry about those. We should be angry about, about intolerance and, and racism and division in our world, about, about the, the, the betrayal of the sanctity of life. We should be angry about those things. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil... Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give uh, him who is in need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all, because you've been angry, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So Paul is saying, you are going to be angry. And, and, and apparently Paul's pretty incensed. Remember we talked last week about, we ended with a, this idea that Paul got angry at Barnabas because he took John Mark with him and left Paul. So, so Paul got angry. Angry will happen. Anger will happen. It's, it's a natural, normal part of this human process. And so we need to know how to handle that. We need to know what Jesus says about it. In Matthew chapter 5... Maybe the best, uh, the best words on anger from Jesus is found in this passage. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause. Let me just say, by the way, that without a cause phrase is... In some manuscripts, and it's not in some. It's, it's in the King James, the New King James. Some of those translate that without a cause. The New, the International, uh, it's easy for me to say. The New International Version, for example, doesn't say without a cause. But Jesus says, uh, anyone who's angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, fool, idiot, whoever says that shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says you fools shall be in danger of, danger of hellfire. Let me say just a little bit about, about what's going on here. The law said that if you, that if you put someone to death, you're going to be put to death. The, 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 the murder, if you murder someone, then you'll be put to death. 
You know how the Jews had kind of reinvented the law and expanded it and explained it and all those things. So now they were saying, if you murder someone with your own hands, then you will be put to death. But if you do it by proxy, if you hire someone, then we're just leaving that up to God. We're not, we're not going to judge that. We just leave that up to God. And Jesus is saying, you're, you're taking the law and perverting it. No, it's not about what happens with the hands. It's about the anger of the heart. And then he goes on and talks about this. Even, even being angry to the point of saying, you're a fool, you're an idiot. And those are not just uh, mean words. Those were, those were words of utter contempt in this Aramaic culture. And so Jesus says, if you say that, then then no, that's not what we're supposed to do. Here's what Jesus says, and here's what we say about anger. We say things like, well, I just can't help myself. You know, I've just always had a short fuse. I've just always had a bad temper. I just can't help myself. I I think I said to you all uh, one time, my mom used to say to me all the time, Mike, you have a bad, you have a bad temper. And I would say, Mom, the only time I ever get mad is when you say I have a bad temper. That makes me mad. I just can't help myself. But Jesus says in that phrase, if you get angry. In other words, you do have a choice in this. You you, You do have... Now, we're talking about anger to the point... Of sinning, we're talking about anger that is not healthy anger, and and we are able to control that. Uh, we say, well, I'm just letting off steam. You know, I just everybody's got a everybody's just got a spout off. I just letting off a little steam. Jesus says, when you handle anger in the wrong way, it's like murder. It's like it's like killing. It can destroy body, soul, and spirit. Um, we say. Well, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, it's just, just, and Jesus says, no, our words can do great harm. When you say things like raka, thou fool, when you say that, that's incredibly damaging to people. And so it's important to understand that, that anger is a natural response. Uh, Paul talks about it. God got angry. Jesus got angry. But there is a way to do anger right There's a way to do anger in a healthy way, and there's a way to do anger that's absolutely wrong and very non-Christian. So there is a way to to express anger in a right and and, and healthy way. Anger will happen. Let me just say, it, it will happen. If you live long enough, you know that scripture I quoted last week, where two or three are gathered together, somebody will make you mad. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. Somebody will make you mad. Uh, and so it's important for us to confess that, to acknowledge it, to say, yeah, this is, this is anger. So I, wanna, I just want to kind of real quickly talk to you about what happens, how that happens, and then, and then how we deal with it. I, this is an old story. I've shared this with you before, and I know you get sick of it, but I just like pronouncing these words. Um, the brain, we, have, we basically have three brains, the, the amygdala, the hippocampus, and the cortex, neocortex, prefrontal cortex, occipital cortex, but the cortex, that's the thinking part of the brain. The hippocampus is the, is the emotional, it's, like, it's right in the middle there, it's kind of shaped like a, I think hippocampus actually means uh, seahorse, it's kind of shaped like a seahorse. And it's the emotional part. The amygdala or the reptilian brain, it's just, it, I've, I think I've said this before, it just makes one decision. Either this will eat me or I can eat it, you know. This is dangerous or this will be good. The amygdala, that's, that's all it does. When we get angry, 
the amygdala, and we're, we're made this way. God made us this way. When we, are get, when we get angry, the amygdala fires and takes control of the rest of the brain. It draws emotion from the hippocampus. It shuts down. Well, it doesn't shut down, but it slows down the, the cortex, the thinking part of the brain. And everything that's happening when we are really angry is coming out of the amygdala, that small little walnut piece of the brain. So here's what it does. It slows the cortex. It, it, can you imagine um, in the old days, you know, when, uh, when uh, uh, somebody's walking through the wilderness and a lion jumps out on them, you don't need at that point your brain to think, now let's think this through rationally. What would be the best thing for me to do here? You just need to react. You just need to respond. And, and so the amygdala takes all the energy away from the cortex so it can just react and respond. Well, that's great when the lions jump out. But when your wife says, hey, you forgot to take out the tranch, uh, trash. <laughs> I almost said you forgot to take out the transkis. Did you hear that? Forgot to take out the trash when, you, when your wife said <laughs> for dinner. <laughs> Your says that, and then I'm just reacting out of this. I mean, it, so it slows the cortex. It redirects blood flow. So the blood leaves my, my gut. The blood leaves my, the cortex part of my brain, and it goes into my muscles. And obviously for me, that takes a lot of blood to you know, fill those big muscles. Uh, it, uh, it fires the adrenal gland. So adrenaline just starts pumping through my body. It increases my heart rate and temperature. It's getting me ready for fight or flight. It's getting me ready to do battle or, or to run. Well, when all of that happens, then obviously that does some stuff in me. So anger that's not handled in the wrong way, what I call unattended anger, it produces headaches, it produces digestive problems, produces insomnia, anxiety and depression, heart attacks, rashes and skin diseases. All of those things physically come out of this anger that has not been expressed. So uh, please forgive me for saying this, but as Christians we say, well, no, you're not supposed to be angry. You know, you're not supposed to act that way. And then we've got ulcers and we've got hypertension and we've got, we've got uh, chronic headaches. And we wonder where that's coming from because we haven't learned how to be healthy in expressing our anger. Unattended anger produces these things physically. It creates in us emotionally and spiritually. It creates things like separation, isolation, desperation, and alienation. You know, I, I just, I separate, my wife and I are, are, I'm just mad at her. I just don't want to be around her right now. I just don't want to. And we're separated. I isolate. I pull away. I need to call Pastor Eddie and talk about this, but I'm just not going to. I'm just, I'm isolating. Desperation. I'm, I'm operating out of the amygdala. I'm not thinking through. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just, I got to do something. I don't, I'm, I'm going to do something. And then alienation, where I just feel completely different and isolated from everybody else. So these things are produced in us. And finally, when, when, when we have the physical things going on and then it's created these things in us emotionally and spiritually, we end up with, with one of two things, with chronic anger. Have you ever just known people that there's just, that, that just something seething in them and it's just kind of always there, like a low-grade anger that's always there? 
or explosive rage. They just absolutely blow up and go crazy. And, and then they say, oh, I feel so much better. Well, yeah, the world's a wreck all around you. But you but, so those two things are, are created in us. And again, we, we, then we uh, complicate that by feeling guilty because that's not what Christians do. We don't act that way. I shouldn't be angry. You know, Paul says, be ang- don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So by, you know, by 6 o'clock every night, I say, okay, I'm not angry anymore. Oh, okay, I'm not going to be angry anymore. And it's just, it's just boiling inside me. So how do we handle anger? What do we do? Well, we tend to do one of three things. We repress anger. I think, is that right? <laughs> Poor Jamie, he does such a great job. He's got a fine. Where, what's he talking about? Where is he? Uh, we, we repress our anger. Uh, and that, that means we just, we ignore it. We just say it's not, it's, no, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. I've talked to people, I'm not angry. And they're gritting their teeth. You can hear them grinding. No, I'm not, I'm not angry. Uh, we suppress anger. I'm, I'm, I'm mad, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to respond. I'm not going to, we just squash it down, squash it down, squash it down until it explodes. Or we express anger. And I, and I just want to, so we're clear, I just want to say to you that what we are supposed to do is express our anger. We are supposed to say, this really bothers me. And I'm, I'm really upset about this. this. This makes me mad. We express our anger. However, we can express anger the right way or we can express it the wrong way. And we're going to talk about some of those things. For one thing, let me just give you some, some kind of some guidelines. Do not express your anger in passive or aggressive behavior. Sometimes we slash those things. Passive-aggressive behavior. Passive-aggressive behavior. Sweetheart, come up here and demonstrate passive-aggressive behavior. No. Doris says, I said, you okay? Fine. No, really, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm just fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. What's for supper? Meatloaf. Wham! You, you ready to go to bed? Sure. Go ahead. You know, I just, I'm, I, come on now, what's wrong? No, that's very past. I'm not going to say what it is, but, I, but don't express anger that way. Or the other end of this, this aggressive behavior that's just constantly at war. Don't, there's, there is something in the middle. Choose assertiveness. Now, assertiveness sounds like a bad word, but assertiveness is just simply saying, I need to say, this is how I feel. I need to be assertive and let you know what's going on with me. And then you get to pick how you respond to that. It's not, assertiveness is not to impose my will on you and say you have to respond. Assertiveness just says, I'm going to say this is how I feel about this. And then you get to choose how you respond. And then I get to choose how to respond to that. And we kind of go through life allowing each other to be who we are and to, and to choose. Uh, and practice self-control. We can do this. Practice self-control. Um, man, I didn't know Mike was going to be here tonight. <laughs> Remember that kid? What was his name that scored the touchdown in the Florida game and then did the big gator chomp and we assessed this huge penalty on the kickoff? And I remember all that, you know. And I know you're 19 years old and you're all hepped up and you're all excited and let me just make this clear. Sometimes you probably get Mike and I mixed up. He's the one that played for Tennessee. I'm not the one. I know y'all get us confused a lot. I've never been in that circum. 
But we, just, we say to our kids, and we need to say to our adults, practice self-control. You do have the ability to be angry, but to express it in an appropriate way and not to lose control. We don't have to operate out of the amygdala, and we'll talk about how to do that, but we practice self-control. And finally, trust the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit in those moments when I'm angry. Trust the Holy Spirit to interpret for you so that I can say to my wife, hey, this is really bothering me. We need to talk about this. This really hurts me. Let's, let's talk about that. And trust that the Holy Spirit is going to talk to her heart and help her to understand where that's coming from. So what do we do? It's a long, long introduction to the sermon to get to this point. So what do we do? Let me, let me share with you uh, one, two, three, four, five things that I think are helpful when it comes to dealing with anger in the right way, in a healthy way. Here's the first one. The first thing we do is we pause. We, we pause. Remember that conversation about operating out of the amygdala and the amygdala begins to shut down the hippocampus and the cortex? The only cure for that is time. Well, let me give you another cure. Here's another cure, by the way. I didn't say. Water. <laughs> Drink water. The body is producing adrenaline, and if we drink lots of water, it it dilutes the adrenaline, and it kind of helps us to dial down a little bit. So maybe that's how you pause. Hold that thought. I'm going to go get a glass of water. I'll be right back. And then you go to the neighbor's house four doors down, and you say, can I borrow a glass of water? We just, we pause. And when you feel that anger arising, we just, we take a moment And we catch our breath and we just pause. Remember, you used to teach your kids to say, okay, count to 10. Before you do something, count to 10. That's pretty good advice, that we just pause. Uh, Let me give you a a passage of Scripture. Uh, In, uh, I think this is, yeah, James 1.19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Just just hold your horses. Just slow down a little bit. Just pause. And I say that to myself and just pause. The second thing that we do is we pray. Now, I don't, and I'm not just saying this. I, you know, I tell people in my office all the time, if the answer was eat pink cotton candy for the rest of your life, I'd tell you that. This really works. This is not some Sunday school lesson. This really does work. And so I pause And then I pray, Lord, I need your help right now. This is welling up within me, and I'm 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 just getting ready to bust or bust somebody. And so I just and and we pray. So here's another passage of scripture. Uh, Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone. This is when uh, Lazarus is in the tomb. They took away the stone. Uh, in the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted his eyes and he said, The crowd has been deriding him. Uh, the sisters don't believe him. The disciples are questioning him. I, my guess is he's a little perturbed by this point. He's just kind of, you know, in, in fact, you can tell it in his prayer. So he prays, Father, thank you that you have heard me. Look, I don't even need to do this. You've already heard me. But... Uh, you always hear me, but because they're standing around, then I want you to hear me again. And he prays this prayer. He stops. And rather than responding, he prays, Lord, I need to calm down a little bit. I'm getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. So I'm going to... So we stop and we pray. Father, would you just... Here's a great prayer. 
May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God. I am, I, my wife and I need to have a conversation. And, and, and before we do, Doris and I, a lot of you, remember the family meeting that I talked about us learning to have? Before we do a family meeting, we pray. Lord, you monitor our words. You help us say it. So we pray. We pause. We pray. We stay calm. We can do that. We, we stay calm. We make a conscious decision to stay calm. And when number three is not working, then you go back to number one and you repeat the process all over again. Wait a minute, pause. I'm trying to stay calm. It's not working. Let me slow down. We stay calm. So Jesus demonstrates that for us. Uh, the Pharisees heard it. They said, this fellow, he's, he has uh, cast out the evil demons from the, from the demoniac. And this fellow can, does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts. Now, Jesus got angry a lot. But in this case, he stayed very calm. And he just said, no, wait a minute. Every kingdom divided itself is brought to desolation. Every city or house divided itself will not stand. Now, I, I know you guys are in an uproar. I know that, but wait a minute. Let's just calm down a little bit. He, he stayed calm. He demonstrated to stay calm. We, pet, we pause, we pray, we stay calm. We ask questions. Why do you feel this way? What's, what's, what's going on that triggers this in you? Are they, we ask ourselves questions. Are they hurt? Are they frustrated? Do they feel insecure? Where's this, come, this anger that's directed to me? We ask questions. Or where's this coming from in me? Dora says, uh, hey, did you, did you remember to pick up the dry cleaning? And I'm... Man, what's that about? Well, that's about because we're just not getting along and it feels like she's bossing me around. And I, You know, where's, the, where's that coming from? So we ask questions. Jesus said, he came in the temple. The chief priests and elders confronted him as he was teaching. By what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said, okay, I'll answer you. But let me ask you a question first. And he asked them a question. What authority did John baptize in? We just stopped. Let's, let's get a little more information. And finally... We tell a story. Now, I know this surprises you. I know you're shocked. I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories. But in a story, the emotion of the immediate is taken out of it. And we are both translated to a different place where we can kind of compare notes about this story. Sometimes in a, in a counseling setting, somebody will be talking and I'll say, that's enough about you. Let's talk about me. And, uh, and then I'll tell them a story about my grandkids or a story about... And it, and it takes... Uh, it gets a lesson, but it takes the emotion. So when we are angry, if we can just stop and tell a story. Here's, here's one of those. Uh, the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. He went. Uh, while he was there, a woman comes who was known in the city to be a sinner. She probably was a prostitute. Comes. She anoints him. And she's weeping over him. Begins to dry his feet with her tears. Uh, and Simon says to him, why do you, I can't believe you're allowing this to happen in front of everybody while you're in this woman. And Jesus says, Simon, I have something to say to you. There was a certain creditor who had two dollars. One owed him 500 dinner. So he starts telling a story. Let's just kind of get out of the emotion of this moment. And let's talk about, do you remember, do you remember that time when we went to Dollywood and you got on that ride, and you, you remember that, and you were so scared, and I, you remember that? Yeah. 
Well, that's kind of how this made me feel when you drove off and let me stand in the rain last week. And, uh, and I, it made me afraid and all that. And, we, and if you miss one week, you kind of miss out on the whole thing. It just kind of keeps going on. So we, we pause. We pray. We, we make a conscious decision to stay calm. We ask questions. And we tell a story. We also can physically uh, manipulate is not that we physically can change the atmosphere. My voice lowers. My kids used to say to me when I was growing up, they'd come in and I'd screw their friends. I'd scream at them, "Get your bicycle out! You get that bicycle, I'll, I'll break your arm off and beat you in the head with it." And their kids, their little friends, would be they'd be laughing. Our dad's crazy. He's just crazy. But they would say, "Dad, when you get soft." We get really scared because <laughs> the softer you are, the madder you are. So I just learned. Maybe my mom was right. Maybe I did have a bad temper. But I learned is that the more anger I get to lower my voice, to make my motions smaller, to make my presence smaller, rather than try to get bigger and intimidate, to just soften the thing. There is a healthy, appropriate way to do anger. And in fact, I would go so far when Paul says, be angry and do not sin, I would go so far as to say, to not be angry is probably a sin. Your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, and you're not taking care of it if you're not expressing anger, but expressing it in the right way, in a healthy way, in a, in a, in a holy way. Does that make sense? Amen. Doris and I went to uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I was there because I was struggling with an addiction, and it had, it had nearly cost us our marriage. It had nearly cost us our family. And so we went to, I was, went there for a couple of weeks and then Doris came out. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're trying to save us. They're trying to salvage us. It was an expensive place. It was very expensive. Uh, for me, it cost $7,500 a week for us to be there. Uh, that's why Branches was born. I just said, there's got to be a way to do this and not turn people away. So we went out. So Doris comes out. This is going to be great. This treatment, this is, this is going to be so good. These are smart people. And they're going to, they're going to figure, this is going to be great. And we're paying $7,500. It's got to be great. They get a pillow. And they put it on the chair. And they said, call that pillow Mike. And Dora says, that's Mike. And then they gave her a wiffle bat. And they said, wear that pillow out. And Dora says, Mike. No, wear it out. Mike, no, wear it out. By the time it's over, she is just beating the daylights out of this thing. I don't know if it helped her at all, but it scared me to death. It straightened me out. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get straight. I promise you I'm going to get straight. There is something about expressing our anger in a right way, in a healthy way, that not only is, is the good thing for us, but it's what God calls us to do. Jesus says, don't sin in this. Don't sin in it. When you're angry, handle it the right way. But anger is a normal, natural response to what we see going on in the world around us.